Welcome back to The Cypher, a series of conversations with wonderful creators from across the Black diaspora who are leaning into their roots to create new spaces for all of us. I, as you well know, am Christabel Incia Buedi. Now, on today's show, if you're not used to it by now, I've stopped telling you who these people are. I'm literally going to pass the mic to the guests. And so today we are taking the mic to Ghana. Who am I speaking? Exactly. Who am I speaking with today, sir? Who, who's on the phone? Uh, the caller online one. My name is Sir Kojo <laughs> I am one of the founders of the Gold Coast Report, and we are a podcast network based in Accra, Ghana. I love how you gave your, your, your Ghana name as well. Know, right? So, could you speak it to Ama? Hey, it's okay. It's a day right. thing. You know, we must... <laughs> exactly. It's a day thing. And if you know, yeah. you know. Um, and so, you are the co-founder of the Gold Coast Report. Now, tell us a bit more about what that is, because it's not just a podcast, right? It's a network. Yeah. So, like, how many shows? Like, t- tell us about that too. So, in talking about the network, we kind of have to go back to the genesis. And it's a pretty fun, go on, it's then. A pretty fun story. So... We started way back seven years ago now, dating myself. And mm. we initially reached out to our friends to get them together to start a podcast. Now, everybody ended up saying yes. So it became very essential that we crafted shows so that everybody who was showing the commitment had something to do. So we essentially stumbled our way into a network and we've been a network ever since. And we have produced a bunch of shows over the years. See, you, well, I see here that you produced more or you produced more than 20 separate shows. But here's what I'm loving about what you just said. You just said we stumbled our way into a network. And you also said we basically asked some friends if they wanted to do a show and they went, yep. And so your reaction was, we better get it I together. Mean, it's one of the few times you've battered 100% in life. Everybody said yes. It was like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn, I didn't see this as an option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, right, right. And then, you know, like, so is it, hold on, what year are we even in? We're in 2023. It could be 2020, 12 for all I know. But, you know, years later, you have over a million listeners or listen uh, uh, over a million streams. Like, what is that? Tell me, give me some of these figures, yeah, please. Yeah, so one of the wonderful things about podcasts growing in this space is we've, in, we've seen the last couple of years, one, people know more about what podcasting is. And on the network side, we've seen all our various shows increase in listenership. So, We've been able to cross that one milli, you know, one million club. One and million. that's pretty exciting because I think when we first started, it very much was a passion project. And then we sort of transitioned mm. into, I guess we are good at this. And it's now more of a serious hobby passion. And now we find ourselves in the space and we are pros in the space and we are like dictating the industry space and all of that, which is pretty cool. Right. How did you grow from, I read in some of your, your stuff that you had two listens to 1 million. Now that's a big story, like literally two listens to 1 million. How, like what, what, and you don't have to get too deep in that. I think that's probably another conversation for when we collab and we talk about how to grow your podcast and build yeah. it. Right. But you know, a lot of people who are listening to this are probably thinking, well, I want to start a podcast. Right. But, but how am I supposed to reach my listeners? Yeah. Right. And that's the big question that everybody's trying to answer. How do you find your listeners? How do you build your listeners? What did like, can you talk about some of the steps that you did? Did you look at the numbers to kind of tweak what you were doing? Like, what did you do as, as this group of homies who started your podcast network and now you're, you know, you're, you're an industry leader. What did you do? I think uh, my pitch is probably going to be what we at GCR tell people who reach out to us to start new shows. 
our first year or your first two years is going to be about the show. The focus has to be about improving it and getting to the vision that you want for the show because the listenership, they are going to come, but there has to be good content for them to stumble upon and be like, oh, snap, this is a really, really good episode. Do they have more in the backlog? And then you have them, um, essentially, it's a bait and you got to hook them first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, but but you said something real critical there. You got to focus on the first show, and you're talking about two years, right? So you're talking about a long. <laughs> this is a long tail, people. Like podcasting, it's not for the faint of heart, and you have to be patient. It's a long game. But what did you do, right? What did you do to improve it? Like, were you looking at? Were you responding to how? How did you know what the audience wanted? I think that's essentially what I'm saying. Like, how do you build those numbers? So our first set of shows, uh, the breakdown, it was After the Whistle. That's a sports show. So obviously the guys, the Mandans had to get behind the mic and talk about sports. Then we had uh, The mm. Other Room. That was our woman-focused show. So that show got to pay attention to news and social issues from a gendered lens. And then we had Free Your Mind, which was just like a general discussion debate because some people didn't like sports and some people didn't want to talk about women issues. So we got to put them somewhere. How dare you? Why would you talk, <laughs> want to talk about women's issues or sports? I'm a fan I know, of both. Right? Uh, so that breakdown essentially had us creating content that first we wanted to listen to. So we were our first, used, we were our first audience. We had to uh, plan the episodes. We had to record. It had to come out and then we had to give feedback. Oh, I could have said that better. I could have done that better. I should have done this this way. So there was mm. that internal constant review process. And of course, you have to start spamming mm-hmm. your friends and be like, hey, I'm on a podcast. Do you mind listening? And then once you started pushing and sharing on social media, you had other people who got hooked. And then they start sending their feedback saying, I think you guys did this great. I think you guys should do this this way. And we have been mm-hmm. open and receptive to feedback coming in. So it's been that snowball of a process. It starts internally. Then you open yourself out to your audience because for us, our process is once the podcast episode goes out, the next step is the listener listening, the audience listening and giving us the feedback. Then we know the episode is complete because then they are a critical part of that as well. You are really, really intentional about your steps. Yeah. I'm going to keep calling you these group of homies. <laughs> so you group of homies, <laughs> we're clearly very intentional about your steps. And I will say for the listener, I have been talking to Cyril for a while. Um, I got hooked on uh, the Gold Coast Report I remember on vacation, walking, listening to this podcast. I needed to clear my head, <laughs> and it's it's a it's a talk show, yeah. and like the host is fantastic and irreverent and crazy, and I found myself and like my tree is not fantastic. Like I understand <laughs> it, but to speak it, like I'm definitely like that diaspora who's just like, oh yes, one more time, please. <laughs> when I tell you. And this show was not, it was, it was in several languages. It wasn't just in Chi. Like he was switching back and mm-hmm, forth, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, well, I mean, fancy similar to Chi, but you, you understand what I mean? There were some words I was not picking up. But when I tell you that I was walking on this beach, in this beach town, looking like a crazy person because <laughs> I was falling out laughing about the topics. <laughs> and that was a good few years ago. So immediately I was like, oh, he's onto something. And of course, as a diasporan, for me, I was just like, I want to hear more mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I think on that particular episode, 
you know, there was a conversation around diasporans coming over or like just some of the tensions, but not in a, not in a aggressive um, or mean spirited way. Yeah. It, it, it was just like, we're part of the same family, but cousins over there, you'd be doing some crazy yeah, stuff. So let's talk about and I know it. you think we're crazy. <laughs> so I felt, I felt completely included in that way because I was like, finally, like you're talking to me, like I would talk to my actual for real cousins mm-hmm. about <laughs> what's going on. So I think you really, really hit something there. So that is all to say, I would imagine that that was, that was a result of, of you tweaking and listening to the, to the audience and figuring out who that audience was, yes, right? Yes, and the show you are speaking about that sincerely, I cry, it's very much also been an iterative process because when you go back to listen to the first episode, it is completely different from the latest episode that we put out last week because there's always that constant, this was worked, this was not working. How about we take a risk with mm. this segment and then see how it pans out? There's always that, what can we change? How do we keep things fresh? And that cuts across. I mean, what I hear from you is really bravery, right? Because <laughs> we're talking about the creative process, right? And we're putting ourselves out there. And whether that show is um, an interview podcast or whether that's a narrative podcast, right? We're putting ourselves out there. Yeah. And as globally, as a people, we are all told, don't be talking your business in public, yeah. number one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So how easy or how hard was it for you guys to, quite frankly, put all of our stuff out there without fear of being judged? Or were you like, it is what it is, we're just going to do it? It's so funny because this was one of the early conversations that we had when we were trying to convince people to show up to be on the podcast because <laughs> it was all, wait, so I'm going to be speaking into a mic and everybody's going to be hearing what I'm saying and it's going to stay there forever. So there had to be assurances that, guys, it's going to be your opinions. We aren't going to ask you these insane questions that have you feeling like you are questioning who you are as a person type thing. We're just trying to have conversation. We're just trying to be honest. And we know that among our friend groups, people share similar views. And we're just trying to have those conversations. So it's been a slow process because our hosts over the years have gotten more comfortable. And that's why we say the one, two years, because immediately you start talking behind the mic it takes a while to build that one confidence and also the familiarity mm-hmm. and then with that comes the ease and then with the ease you're able to actually you know stunt on them because you're now more comfortable in your skin and you can do a whole lot more yeah mm-hmm. facts 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 so <laughs> you you start with your friends yeah. right i want you to to admit something right oh, here wow okay on, on the spot see, right <laughs> on the spot always yeah. um you weren't always a podcaster, oh, right? No. So for those of us who practice it, what did you do before then? And how did you get from there? What, what inspired you to switch from that to do this? It's Tell the people then what you did, <laughs> number the one. Them. Um, funny, I stumbled into podcasting. So before that, I, uh, you know, the usual, did undergrad in uh, the US. I was mm-hmm. working in China as an education consultant for a bit. I came back to Accra. Mm-hmm. And then I, I hit up a friend and I was like, yo, there's this thing called podcasting. Let's give it a go. We gave it a go. We liked how it sounded. And then we reached out to the network of friends. Now, during this period, I had opportunity to work with a traditional media house. And my thought process then was if we could infiltrate from within, then we could get more legitimacy <laughs> for podcasting. Because like seven years ago, it was like, what are you guys doing? And real talk yeah, nobody really understood what the payoff or the process was that didn't go so mm. well <laughs> and kind of figured you know what all the effort being put in with another media house is probably best put into gcr so 
that's what essentially informed the, I guess you call it the full transition in terms of thinking of it as a slider. But then in between, I also uh-huh. do, uh, what do you call it, project management. So I pick up a few gigs here and there, which helps with the coordinating, organizing and all of that. It sure does. But let's be clear, people. What he's not telling you is that he studied global development studies. Oh, that's that. what I was trying to get at. <laughs> oh, that. By the way, exactly. Let me go bury the lead. But the reason why I say that is because I think it kind of speaks to, and I don't know you mm-hmm. that well, but I think it speaks to why I think you might have built this in the first place. I mm-hmm. think, do you think to, in terms of like, what you do in terms of global development studies. And I don't know what you studied, but I think if your mindset really is about not just globalism, but in terms of systems and in terms of equity, do you think that that kind of drove what you were doing and what your goal was around uh, GCR? I would say the more cynical take would be, I couldn't live Mm -hmm. out my UN dreams. So I figured, you know what, we'll do it in an audio format because that was a goal of GDS because like uh, as you know in Ghana Kofi Annan is like a whole big deal and oh yes oh yes that's what I was thinking but you are right because GCR has given us a platform to one connect with amazing individuals in terms of the content that we get to plan and create is also this amazing way to enter communities an amazing way to be part of different spaces and sometimes Mm -hmm. the responses we get either in person or in terms of comments just kind of has you see how much your content resonates with people like it's insane you just shared this amazing story of remembering the beach town you were in and how that episode made you feel two months ago uh the gcr team and sincerely crowd went to lagos for the first time we were recording wow we were recording a vox pop episode and there was this gentleman he was by himself at the table having a drink and then he looks up and he has that face i know that's not who it is and then he goes, Joseph? And then we are all confused because we really didn't think there was anybody in Nigeria going to like recognize <laughs> us. And man is a massive fan. He's been listening for a minute. And for him, just seeing the process of us just having, so Vox Pop, you're just like asking questions, recording people. And him seeing that process just clicked and he was just like so super excited. So those moments, man, it's to die for because... It's so organic. You can't plan them and you have no idea how they show up. And that's the thing. I think that that to me is the beauty of audio, audio storytelling, mm-hmm. whether that's interview or whether that's narrative, is that you're putting something out there and you don't know. And if, if you're honest and vulnerable about it, you don't know who it's going to hit. You're just literally speaking into space. Yeah. Right? But but those of us who love audio, the reason why we love it is because of its potential to connect people on so many ways. Like that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm still talking to (laughs) people like you on the cypher, because, you know, like I get fed connecting with people who are like, yeah, I love this too, because we get to change the world through audio. And it seems really trite, but I really, really think it's true. You just given that example of some man in Nigeria going, Joseph, you never met him before in your life. How could that even happen? And it was just just genuine, yeah. just genuine human connection moments where it's like the man is buzzing, we are confused but happy, and then it's just this awesome five minutes where everything is just like pure joy and all of just a connection. It's it's really amazing. Oh, that's beautiful. What? How would you, to a cynic, <laughs> um, how would you, 
as she pulled her face because she is a cynic, but not about this. How would you describe the power of of audio and podcasting? Because, you know, podcasting is going through such a weird time right now, mainly because I think people are thinking more about revenues mm-hmm. um, as opposed to thinking about its human connection power. Um, yeah. How would you answer that question? I think for us at GCR, it's, um, it's actually quite a timely question you ask because as we speak, we are in day two of uh it's not quite nationwide, but in the capital city, there have been a series of demonstrations. And these are the youth mm. demonstrating against the ruling party because, again, standard of living is quite difficult and there doesn't seem to be a clear plan in terms of what are we going to do to make the country better. And for us, in planning our content and understanding that, yes, we provide some entertainment and education value, the question now becomes, what does that civil obligation look like? Because hate it or love it, we mm. are building a platform. Our platform has been powered by our community and that community at some point, and they are asking, is going to make demands of us. So we now have to, their issues are our issues. And how do we make sure that we are able to get what they are saying, what they are feeling, one catalog um, to put it together as a resource and have other people also connect with what they are sharing? Because globally, Everybody in the world or most countries in the world are going through this upheaval where people are agitating for better standards of living because they see and understand that there are alternative ways to get things done. So it's a long way to answer your question, but that's that interesting space that GCR happens to be because, yes, we love the connection and all of that, but then it speaks more to impact. And that's what audio does because then Mm. you and I can hear from somebody in one of the farthest regions of communities or districts in Ghana, and they can share their story and tell us what's going on, their interest. Essentially, we get to live their lives for that 15, 20, 30 minutes. And that is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I I feel about that. I really believe that audio can change hearts and minds. Mm just through that, because for a second, you can really viscerally empathize with someone else's experience. And I think when I'm hearing you back home talking about its impact, just into, not even like politically or geographically, I often think about like these gaps, not just in Ghana or, or other parts of the continent, anywhere in the world where, you know, there is a, there's an empathy gap mm-hmm. or there's a knowledge gap because maybe, you know, we're not hearing about that part of the world what you're talking about and it sounds like what you're doing is making those connections so people can stop for a minute and think and and, and create a broader context for where they are in order for us to be a bit more connected and really be far more responsible toward each other i think yeah that's that's super important yeah i like how you frame that as an empathy gap because it's one of those things that happens subconsciously with audio you're not quite paying attention to it but you are listening you are feeling you are absorbing and then Later on, you know, that percolates in your mind and then it forms, informs your opinion. So you're right. There's a, there's an empathy process to podcasting that I don't think is uh, spoken about enough. So yeah, that's a good observation. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Audio Diaspora with me, Christabel in Siabwedi. You can check us out on the socials. I urge you to follow us there because we are doing so much and we have huge plans for the rest of the year. And you can find out what they are by following us on IG and on Twitter. We are at Audio Diaspora on X, formerly known as Twitter. Man, old habits are hard to break. Now let's get back to the conversation.
So, you know, so you've grown on, you've grown from two listeners <laughs> to a million. I'm going to keep saying that. No, the funny, and now you're doing live. A, a tiny, yeah, a tiny joke. Ahead. So with the listenership, it got to a point I, early on, I never, I stopped listening to our shows just because I didn't want my stats <laughs> to count against the listenership. I was like, nah, I need to... <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the listeners were so few and far between. Like, I need to get, I was like, nah, I need the raw numbers. I shouldn't be a part of <laughs> yeah. this data set. You should be adding. Exactly. <laughs> I shouldn't be a part of it, man. Uh, this was a good. Oh, that's good funny. Yeah. You were you were serious. <laughs> I feel like you're saying those were, there were some good times with a little bit of a pain. You're like, yeah, there were, but there were. I mean, we trying to go back, but, <laughs> but now... we can look back fondly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we understand. Yeah. We understand. So now um, you're doing live events and you're doing workshops yeah. that you have not invited me to, but that's okay. You, you know, that. do you, boo. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, tell us about Mosaic. Tell us about th- this event and tell us about your your foray into community building right you're extending that community building taking it off the off audio in terms of digital and you're bringing it into real life tell us about that so i'm gonna go on record and i'm gonna do that classic internet thing where i'm saying it and if i'm wrong someone prove me right or wrong but back in 2019 i believe we held the first live event if not in west africa in africa and this is because you know comments you guys you're always recording we don't know what you look like we want to see your facial expressions we want to spend some time with you so 2019 we're like you know what let's get a venue let's get some mics let's have a conversation and that's when we had gcr live now to show you just how unprepared we were for this we just planned for the podcast conversation so it was just you come in we started the podcast and that was it and then we realized that everybody was still there like people didn't huh? leave like after the podcast session was done, they were still at the venue. And I was like, oh snap, there's an opportunity to do much more with the community because mm. they seem to like each other, even though they've just met. And that's when it sort of hits us that this is not just an audience, but it's actually a community that, yes, they've bonded over a shared uh, love for a show, but then there's also shared values across. And then COVID happened. Mm. So we had to hit pause for a while. But then when we came back, mm-hmm. we reworked GCR Live into Mosaic. And Mosaic, we built into a live audio experience, basically. So we have still the live podcast shows. We now have a stage where we give young emerging artists our platform. Because one, we are going through the trouble of renting the venue, getting the, the stage and all of that we might as well also give people with amazing sounds that we think are going to be the sound for the future access to that as well. Yeah. Ooh. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Tell us more about that. Because, I mean, fundamentally speaking, as an African and a Ghanaian, music is so, so important to us. And we recognize Mm -hmm. that for young artists coming in, there is that challenge or there is that balance of, this is how I want to sound, but this is what everything presently is. Is that difficult Mm. to stay true across the your journey so to speak so for mm-hmm. us the focus mm-hmm. is on these are artists that we really like we think your sound is cool so if we can give you a larger stage or your first date and your ex and you've experienced to see people actually celebrating what you are putting out because we pair them out with a live band we make sure the music they go for rehearsal so that what comes out what gotta go all out right yeah, because yeah, I love yeah, that. Because we also want to showcase them in the best possible light. 
you know and yeah it's been pretty cool uh, we've done this for two years our third year is coming up in november so and this year we are doing two days which is again we love risk at gcr um last year was amazing and the thought process was that's so good we gotta do it twice in it so <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he said in it too for the londoners <laughs> up in here and if if you're watching this i'm also pulling a face at him like mm-hmm, year three but whatever but you, this is what i love about the stuff that you guys do it is risk yeah and we generally tend to be risk averse because we're often told you can't afford to do that. Where's the money coming from? Because as you were talking, I was just like, ah, where did he get the money for this? It doesn't matter. You did it, number one. You, are you going to tell no, me? I'll tell you. What First happened? All, I mean, honestly, we start with these things and there's the money for it. But like, you know, we know what we're trying to do. And this is the goal. We try to fundraise as much as we can. And in the instance where we can't fully pay for something, we get as close to that vision as possible, straight up. And thankfully... I think over the years, GCR has shown that there has been some systemic level of quality outputs that people are willing to take a chance on us when it comes to some of these things that we pitch. So fingers crossed. I'm waiting for the day that we pitch something and it goes, yeah, no problem, fully funded. It hasn't happened yet, but (laughs) I see it in our future. Oh, yes, me too. I'm claiming that for you. But what I'm hearing from everything that you've been saying to me thus far is give it a go. Just do it. Do not be scared, which is part of the creative process. Right. But then as you grow, you're taking folks with you. You're saying one rises all rise. So whether it's like you, you and your, you and the homies, them Mm -hmm. just say, yeah, let's do some podcasts. Mm -hmm. Right. Whether it's creating that network and then basically giving hosts who probably have never hosted before the opportunity to try it, which is what you said earlier in the conversation, right down to, identifying Ghanaian music uh, musicians or artists, I should say, which is key, right? Like you said, like in our culture, it's, we, we wake up listening to music. Yeah. Like it's the first, my first memories are around music. Yeah. I could tell you all the people, right. And then you, you know, you're, you're, you specifically living in Ghana in a, in a society where things, no matter what people say externally, it's actually very conservative in a lot of ways in terms of institutions. Yeah. And so you're giving younger um, artists and creatives the space and the platform to just do. And then you're saying, yeah, you're going to practice it. Right. But again, you're just kind of saying, just get it, just do it, give it a shot. And I think that's, I think that's probably the key to your success. I think that's probably why you've grown so much because you are open to not just the trying, but you're open to saying, let's collaborate and do it together. And you're fearless. And I think it's, it's great. There you go. I said it. No, no, no. That's, that's really true because it's funny our collaborative nature it's it's one of those things that people from afar it's like how are you guys making money off this because anytime we have an opportunity we are keen to share you know just because i think for us the feeling is when we first started and this speaks to our gcr labs program where it's an incubator program for podcasters we really wish there was something like gcr when we started because we caught in blind we had no idea what we were doing it was YouTube tutorials. Mm. It was listening to other podcasters. And again, no offense to them, but then it's a completely different space than the African audience and markets that we kind of had to make Correct. mistakes and learn from. So at every step of the way, if GCR can offer some level of support that doesn't actively harm mm-hmm. us, we are always down to figure that part out because yes, the goal is to have this be a sustainable business. But then I think there is also... A, 
some measure of joy in just seeing people also who are genuinely looking to create and just make amazing excuse me shit be able to do that and then you have a, some part to play in that yeah Mm-mm. um what is the difference between we're going to get a bit tech here okay techie what how, how what is the difference that you see between the african market and other markets because you know like people are trying to crack it but no one is really paying attention to people want, want to try and figure out the market but they're not really asking the right questions so seeing as you are there and you're a leader in that space what makes the african podcasting market different other than you know being a younger continent mm. and stuff like that in terms of context yeah what is it that that is gonna is gonna attract a Ghanaian listener that's the other thing like I can't say what's gonna attract a Ghanaian listener is going to bring a Kenyan or a Nigerian or South African listener in but you know t- tell us tell us what we're missing you know the exciting thing is my answer is probably going to apply to 25 to 30 percent because again that market space is still growing we still have a whole slew of people, young and old, who still have no idea about podcasting mm. and are yet to experience what their first podcast is and are going to be blown away because they're going to be like, oh my God, this has been here the whole time. This is absolutely what I need. <laughs> but for that audience that we have captured, I would say there's a... <laughs> Ghanaians can smell bullshit and I think it applies to most black people. So honestly... Hello. <laughs> So honestly, it's going to have to be calm as you are. Um, that's so tricky because when people get behind the mic, there's sometimes the, the I don't call it a desire. There's a perception that I need to put on. I need to be this person. I need to be perceived as, as I'm talking to Chris about, like, oh my God, I need to have everything buttoned up and just talk proper. Back straight, exactly. right. But in audio, that comes across. When you are being... Edited, it does because you sound stiff. Exactly. Like you need to be yourself. That's it. Like podcasting is about being vulnerable because you are going to have to share bits of yourself and put yourself out there. And that's how people connect to you. It has to be you being willing Mm. to be vulnerable. And I feel like in more saturated markets, you get to get away with being polished because then it seems like the audience goes, well, I'm here for the information anyway. So I'm not really paying particular attention to how the host or who the host is. It's more about the information, yeah. the content, the entertainment value of the show. So you're talking about being a perceived expert because you're you're bringing the information mm-hmm. in this particular way and everything sounds like I'm in a studio yeah. versus being the expert because you've lived it. And, you know, it's it's... I don't want to use the word rule because there are connotations, but maybe I should, because maybe I need to just embrace that and not be worried about the connotations because really it's about, it's about, because it is what it is, right? Like you're bringing it in its truest form, Mm -hmm. which is what raw is, as opposed to being polished because you need to sound authoritative, which as we know, you can sound polished and you can sound like an authority, but it doesn't mean that you are if you haven't done the research. Exactly. Whereas I think what what you're saying is that by being raw and by being honest, you get to be the authority. But I would I would push back and I would say, yes, that is true. But I think what that also means is that you, I, I would amu- assume that a lot of podcasts would have to lean on interview and opinion because you can't call yourself an authority on a research topic, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. if you've not done the research, but you're flying off the hook. Like, Would that be the case as well? That would be the case. And that's also because in terms of setup and organization, those are the easiest to get going mm-hmm. because then it's just when you bring your sparkling personality, 
and you just need to get a guest or two or a co-host and you get the show going but again yeah. the growth in the space the last couple of years has been amazing mm-hmm. because you have an audience base that's now wondering huh what else is out there in podcasting and that now becomes a challenge for mm-hmm. us because then we need to figure out how to you know do more how to produce content that's a bit different content that mm-hmm. is you know take a risk have it be super niche but then see what that audience base is like pretty exciting and deliver it mm-hmm. yeah and deliver it in, in in different ways i we gotta wrap this up i'm really enjoying this um thank you so much for joining if people if you're hearing a patapata it's because it's raining in ghana and i've been as i'm listening to you (laughs) the natural exactly and as i'm listening to you i've been listening to those lovely rainy sounds and the honk honk (laughs) of traffic just to cut through it just have like one minute for just like asmr just like the rain on the on the roof i'm telling you (laughs) i'm telling you if i let's do it now everyone be quiet for a few seconds Did you enjoy that? It's pretty excellent. <laughs> this is my first, my first, uh, yes, non-talk. My first foray into, into all of that. Um, Cyril, yes. thank you so much. For the people in the back, tell us, tell us who you are again and who you work for and where you are. It's so fun. I don't work for anyone. I work for myself. That's pretty exciting. That's, yeah, so that's it. Exactly. Say hey. that. I love how she's like, correction. <laughs> Hi, hi everyone. So my name is Soro Kojoafoku. I am one of the founders of the Gold Coast Report. We are a podcast network based in Ghana. Definitely check us out. We have some really amazing cool shit you should check out. Cyril Kojoafoku, thank you so much. Christabel Amainsia Bwadi says thank you very, very much for joining me on the cipher today. I am looking forward to hearing more from you and your guys, and I'm really excited that we finally got you on the show. I'm glad to have been there. Uh, this is this is a pretty special moment. I mean sometime later we can share how we actually connected that was that's a fun story too so i'm looking for myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's coming my friend is coming it's coming it's coming awesome awesome thanks Thank you so much for joining us on Audio Diaspora. If you want to follow what I am up to in the world of audio and storytelling, you can follow me and the show at Audio Diaspora on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can also visit us on our website. We are at audiodiaspora.com. I did not produce this show alone. The team includes Eugene Kidd, Cerise Small and Larissa Witcher. Thank you again for listening and join us next time. Audio Diaspora is a production of My Lens Media. 